welcome to the Nativist Podcast, where we tap into our instinct and natural power to live intuitively. The ultimate goal is to leave the world healthier and more beautiful than we found it. It all starts on the individual level by cultivating our mind-body connection. Whether you're on a healing journey or just want to look and feel your best, I hope by the end you feel a little happier, a little more inspired, and a little more invested in yourself and the world. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Thank you. Oh, what a world we live in. It really is a beautiful world in so many ways, but it can be heavy sometimes, right? And I think collectively we're having a heavy moment. I won't speak for everybody, but specifically with world events and what's going on and our reactions to them and our reactions to others' reactions to them and even our reactions to our own initial reactions. There's a lot floating around out there and a lot going on and I wanted to share some thoughts on it. A lot of thoughts actually, so buckle up. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And gosh, heaviness. This isn't unlike other times. I mean, let's respect where we as humans have been in our history. For anyone consuming this content, listening or reading this now or in the future or in the present with no access to the outside world, it is March 2022. Russia just invaded Ukraine. An important point to make right up front, a point that's relevant to much of what I have to say later, is this is not a sneak attack, at least from my perspective. This is not a shocker. We have known this was possible, not just for the past few weeks as Russia incrementally made moves toward it, but also for the past years. Vladimir Putin, Putin, the leader of Russia, may be a lot of things, but one thing he is not is shy with his ambition and his goals. As important as Americans think we are, Putin is not the product of America. We did not create him, and we may be a global superpower, that influences the world balance, but believe it or not, we are not the only power in the world, and we are not at the center of every story. Thinking we are is a very American-centric view. Yes, we are part of this story, but let's not center ourselves, especially not to just blame this all on one president or administration. Pretty solid life truth is none of us live in a vacuum. This may surprise you, hopefully not, But none of us, I put quotes, air quotes around none of us, also includes U.S. presidents. None of us live in a vacuum. There are many elements inside and outside their orbit impacting decisions and outcomes. And I posted a while ago on how U.S. presidents actually have a far smaller effect on the economy than is often said. And I even cited multiple studies and articles from various sources, conservative, liberal, and neutral, showing this. So this isn't just a partisan view. This means they can't fully, when I say they, American presidents, they can't fully claim all of the economic wins or losses during their tenure or immediately before or after, no matter how politically expedient it is to do so. And P.S. This includes oil and gas prices. Fun fact, look into it. So let's keep this point in mind as we start talking about the cancer in this country that's making all of this worse, and that is division. And while division rapidly metastasizes and spreads and corrodes and impairs and harms and chokes and kills like cancer, there is a key difference. It's relation to us. It's spreaders. We are the spreaders. 
it could be said if someone has cancer, that cancer happened to them. Not so with division taking over our politics, our news, our relationships, our empathy, understanding, our humanity, our world. We are causing the division. We are society. If we're not actively uniting and repairing, we're dividing. We're perpetuating the strength and velocity of the cancer. If we're not uniting, we're dividing, no matter how passive or active we are. Let's face it. And this division we're causing is a glaring vulnerability that can and will be exploited by those with mal or ill intent, like Putin. When we divide ourselves, we're aiding and abetting his efforts to do so. We're doing his job for him. We're helping him bring our downfall. And as history has shown us, the great can and do fall. Think the Ottoman Empire, the Roman Empire, etc. Thinking we can't is another vulnerability. and It's unwise and dangerous. We also help him and other evil actors harm us by irresponsibly consuming and sharing content in person or online. Those side comments or harmless conversations that you have, they have an impact. Misinformation abounds. There are credible, trustworthy news sources. And fun fact, they're not Twitter or Facebook. But let's remember, much of media is business. And how do you survive as a business? You make money. How do you make money? Particularly as a media entity or social media influencer, you capture attention. How do you capture attention? You sensationalize, you shock and awe, you scare, you unsettle by posting easily digestible sound bites, no matter, even especially, if they're misleading. And it's not just massive media corporations who cloud and mislead. It's also people who want to make a point, further an agenda, sow discord, etc. Maybe that person is you, whether you realize it or not, and depending on what you post and how and if you verify it. Again, you may not even realize it. I've seen and heard of videos using footage from other places and times and then presenting it as footage of Ukraine. So let's be aware of how easy it is to say, do, create anything. I mean, just look at any of the app. It's so easy to create a post or content or whatever and attribute it to someone inaccurately. And I mean, it's just, you can make anything and put it out there and people see it and then think, oh, especially if you add music to it, but you can put anything out there and get people to believe you. That is horrifying and terrifying. I hope that unsettles you like it does me and makes you on high alert. So back to the life truth of we don't live in a vacuum. There are many factors at play and ingredients in the mix. That can be comforting. That can also be unsettling. Russia being, you know, a part of the world also does not exist in a vacuum, especially a vacuum confined to the first year of this current U.S. administration or second year, or even to the last few years to include the last administration. Just as the U.S. has its own origin story and theme going on, so does Russia. Sure, our stories include each other, and sure, we've had a big impact on each other. Realizing this is especially vital in self-assessing our faults and missteps, but let's not be so arrogant as to think we, or more specifically, a certain U.S. president or political party, solely created this current situation. Come on, please. And let's be clear. This is not an argument for or against action or inaction with this invasion of Ukraine. Let's resist our desperate urge to politicize every friggin' thing. If you do, you're missing the point of this entire episode 
and you're part of the problem. And I say that with love, but enough. I lovingly but firmly say enough. I feel frustrated, despairing, disappointed, and upset when I see people post passive aggressively or even outright aggressively. How, this is one of them, quote unquote, elections have consequences, indicating that a certain president is at fault for this. So indicating that President Biden is at fault for this. Again, this did not, the situation did not pop up out of nowhere and is not a direct and only result of U.S. action or inaction. To think so is a very reductive, inaccurate, divisive, and dangerous judgment. It's just simply not so. And it's also not from one ideology or political party. Again, so many factors to consider here. Let's think past international relations, current international relations, future international relations, economic strength, resources, political expediency, political support, optics, bureaucratic elements, fickle public opinion, ripple effect, Russia's backstory, consequences of past international interventions, waning appetite for more U.S. meddling, especially after Afghanistan, Russian politics, differences in personal opinions and judgments, conflicting ideologies, etc. So much in the mix, made even more exhausting and overwhelming and messy by oversimplification in the media, in political rallies and personal conversations and social media posts that you post, that I post, that others post, misleading but appealing sound bites, clickbait, sure to entice anger, blame, and division, sure to cloud nuance and reality. It's easier to simplify and finger point. It's easier to, it's harder, it's harder to assess and consider. It's easier to feel superior by judging, blaming, and condemning. It's much harder to resist reacting, to research what you see and hear, to consider multiple angles, to empathize. This doesn't mean condone. Empathizing does not mean condoning. It means understanding. And it's harder to stay open and respectful. Speaking of being respectful, one of the the most disheartening things to me is seeing people launch personal attacks against people with whom they disagree. I don't care who you are, who you're against. It's never okay to name call. It's never okay to say cruel things against someone they dislike. I believe everyone deserves a baseline level of respect. Everyone. It's the biggest hell of a weak argument, a personal attack. That's that's a dead giveaway. This includes attacks against politicians too. I mean, they're humans too. Making fun of Trump's hair or Biden's stutter. That's mean. That's immature. And it's much more revealing of the person saying it than the person being criticized. Same goes for the let's go, Brandon. I mean, you might have heard this and it's about it's reference to, I won't tell where it came from, but it references Biden and it's kind of like an F you Biden. So to me, this has nothing to do with my political beliefs. This is a matter of humanity and decency and I don't identify with either party party anyway. I am a firm centrist, trust me. This also goes for how we interact with each other, especially those with whom you don't see eye to eye. The minute you go after someone's character and start lobbing insults is the minute you've seated ground. I have patience for people I don't agree with. I'll admit it can be tough, especially on issues I deem fundamental to humanity. It can be tough. It's hard. 
But I have no tolerance for cruelty and disrespect. This doesn't mean we can't get fired up. We can't get angry. We can't express frustration. We can and we should. That's healthy. But only if we imbue it with respect for ourselves and others and for our world. Let's be humble enough to know we don't know everything. Think about this. There's something you're convinced of right now that you're almost certainly wrong about. Yikes. Same with me. I don't know it all, and neither do you. And so why would we not listen to each other? Well, I do know why. (laughs) Namely, ego, insecurities, fears, shame, etc. It can be tough being human, yeah? I mean, I know I get it wrong all the time. I preach often about responding rather than reacting, but that's actually really challenging for me. I'm actually naturally a really reactive person, and I'm continually working on it. And I'm proud of myself for always trying no matter how many times I fail. So let's give each other and ourselves tough love and also grace. Getting back to Russia. Okay, so international relations is a topic I have long studied. It was my focus actually in grad school. I've mentioned it on here before, so you're probably like, I know Whitney, but I'll say it again. It was what I studied in grad school. And for undergrad, I actually majored in political science and minored in psychology. And so it's a direct part of my life. I'm constantly consuming content on it related to the past, the present, and the future. And if you do the same, you likely know it's freaking complicated. I mean, let's put it in perspective. Think of your own life. Like we just said, being a human can be tough stuff. It's challenging and it's conflicting. It can be contradictory and messy and confusing and and, and all the things. And there are elements at play so many elements at play, so many contributing factors. You're a human, you know. You're a multidimensional person with many parts to your identity. And you're just one person. So let's add another. And now we have a relationship or a partnership, a romantic, personal, professional relationship or partnership. Think how much more complicated that is with two people in the mix now. That can be really hard, right? More edges to bump up against, more issues to sort out, more perspectives to consider, more, more, more. Everything. And then that's just, again, with two people. So then if we add, you know, seven billion more, that can be, as my niece likes to say, kind of tricky. So now add in disparate cultures, worldviews, ideologies, histories, physicalities, geopolitics, so many more things, and wholly complicated Think of all the competing egos, fears and insecurities, ambitions and motivations. Psychology meet politics. Politics meet psychology. And I'll read a caption here that I posted a while ago, about a year ago. So I said, where psychology meets politics. Politics and psychology are top areas of interest for me. Here's why they matter. Our world consists of people. People who inhabit towns, cities, countries ruled by people. People like us who have physical needs, emotional needs, needs. People who have ambitions and wounds, biases, fears and insecurities. Fears and insecurities are powerful. They cloud judgment at best and corrupt hearts at worst. They cause countries to invade others. They cause humans to exploit others. They affect how leaders lead and people vote. They influence how people view issues, individuals and groups. They shape how and what systems form. And I'll add here, they also affect what information people share and consume and how they perceive information and thereby reality. Okay, back to the quote. 
Fears and insecurities close people off to different perspectives, innovation, compassion, and respect. They start wars and oppress people. They cause inefficiency and destruction. A leader fueled by fears and insecurities is inept at best and ruinous at worst. Just look at history. And again, a side note, and modern day, Putin, we're looking at you. Back to the quote. And talk about a ripple effect. Psychological issues played out on a global scale can be catastrophic, with effects lingering for centuries. Psychology informs politics, which is another reason why shadow work is so important. Identifying and healing your wounds, eliminating your blind spots, facing your fears, because it directly affects how voters vote, humans view, countries interact, and leaders lead. End quote. And I'll add something else here. It's also why how we raise our youth is so critical. I highly recommend the book, The Body Keeps the Score, by the brilliant Dr. I think it's Bessel, Bessel, Vandercook. He's one of the world's top experts on trauma, and he spent over three decades, so he knows his stuff, over three decades working with trauma survivors. The book was published in 2014 and cites recent scientific advances to show how trauma literally This is so cool. Well, in a scientific cool kind of way. It trauma literally reshapes both body and brain, compromising sufferers' capacities capacities for pleasure, engagement, self-control, and trust. And throughout, Dr. Van Cook emphasizes the importance of applying these lessons to our youth and ensuring they're raised in stable, supportive environments, contending that is the best way to improve our society and heal our lives, our ills. It starts with us. It starts with us and it ends with us. So let's think of how all of this applies to world leaders like Putin. Let's consider Vladimir Putin the human being. Let's allow room for nuance, for humanity, for complexity. Let's acknowledge he wasn't created in in a vacuum or a lab. Just like you and just like me, he is a human with fears, needs, desires, insecurities, bangs and bruises. Just like you and me, he's had disappointments and struggles. Just like you and me, he is the way he is for a reason. Just like you and me, he's trying to annex Ukraine and take over the world. Oh wait, that's just him. (laughs) And while I'm sure world domination is also on the vision board for more than just Putin, but for focus and time's sake, let's just concentrate on Putin. Why would we, why should we, empathize with Putin. What value does that bring? Well, from a purely pragmatic, strategic, and tactical respect, that helps us stop and or deter him. So there's that. How can you beat someone if you don't understand them? And if you don't know what motivates them, what deters them, what scares them, how are you going to stop them? Comprehension is just one step, sure, but it's a vital, pivotal step. And from a humanity perspective, it's important for our individual and collective soul to see how connected and similar we are, how nuanced and complex we all are. It's imperative we see we all have the same basic physical and emotional needs. Insert Maslow's hierarchy of needs. An idea, if you aren't familiar with it, it's an idea of psychology explaining humans are motivated to fulfill their needs in a hierarchical order. So it starts with the most basic needs. You have your food, your shelter, water security, before moving on to the more advanced needs. So like your psychological needs, such as belonging and love, esteem needs, such as prestige and accomplishment, and self-fulfillment needs at the top, such as self-actualization and fulfillment of potential. 
So that's why the movie The Joker is so powerful. Or, if you haven't seen it, the Netflix documentary Manhunt. Oh, so heartbreaking. It's a, an in-depth look at the various forces that shaped Unabomber Ted Kaczynski and led him to mail bombs to fellow humans. Oh, it's gutting, actually. You should watch it. I don't know if you still can, but at least look into it. It's, he's, a, oh, it's just, it's so sad. Okay, so I also recently read a book called All the Light We Cannot See, and it's haunting, and it's by Anthony Doerr, and it won the 2015 Pulitzer Prize for Fiction, and fun fact, Doerr lives in Boise, Idaho. But anyways, the book is a World War II nonfiction and historical fiction book, um, and those are my favorite to read. And I've read so many, so, so many since elementary school. Um, And this is, I think, the first one that I have read that actually humanized the Nazis. And this is an important distinction. It didn't condone or glorify Nazism and fascism. Quite the opposite. But it offered a valuable look into what various factors could lead someone to engage in such an abhorrent movement and do unspeakable things. It showed how sometimes in life, we must make seemingly impossible decisions. I mean, think about it. It's wartime. You're, let's say you're a young parent and are solely responsible for your baby's lives. You're asked to risk your baby's lives by hiding strangers in your attic or maybe participate in the resistance. And it's easy to sit far removed in time and place from such terror and uncertainty and then coolly calculate the numbers and socially acceptable answers and the popular opinion and the blank judgment. But when you're in it, I highly doubt you would have the same presence of mind. I highly doubt you would have the same thoughts. You might, but who knows? Do you really truly know? You can theorize, but you don't truly know unless you're in that moment, in that condition with the same absolute exact same factors at play same background, same thoughts, same everything, all the ingredients in the mix that make up our individual persons and situations. And I ask such horrible questions in my would you rather questions every Wednesday on social media, not just for fun. It is fun, hopefully, but not just for fun, but to highlight and respect the complexity of humanity and to connect you to yourself and others. This helps us understand how things can't and shouldn't necessarily be reduced to good versus bad, right versus wrong. We need to allow for nuance and diversity of thought. We don't all share the same values, experiences, strengths and weaknesses, advantages, disadvantages. I mean, our politics make that, divided politics make that abundantly clear. We're so similar, but we're also so different. And understanding and empathizing with each other, showing each other compassion, does not mean we condone unacceptable behavior. Not at all. We must own our lives and our actions. We must be held accountable and we must hold each other accountable, ideally with respect. This shouldn't be confused with softness or negligence, not in the least, but mental health issues directly contribute to much of the criminal behavior and understanding helps us respond effectively. Understanding helps us prevent it from happening again and happening in the first place in the future. Understanding helps us improve. Why not start at the grassroots level? It starts with us. It starts with you. It starts with me. Society is made up of you and of me. The world is made up of you and of me. 
this is the driving force behind the nativist to connect you to yourself and to connect you to others to give you support space and inspiration to dig into your shadows your fears and insecurities your values and motivations this is how you change the world when people don't do this their shiz bleeds over onto others when people don't do this they start fights they perpetuate conflict they feed discord they widen invasion they invade ukraine they gas their own citizens they commit other atrocities when we do the work ourselves and face our own shame and uncomfortable parts then we can understand and relate to others and show them grace we can recognize our common struggles our wants our needs our humanity and again all of this isn't to say there's no need for might and force i'm not arguing that i'm not advocating violence but i'm also not so naive that i think there's no need for militaries in an ideal world we would all do our shadow work and accept our common humanity that's unfortunately not how our current world works and i'll leave it there speaking of punitive measures yes it could be argued we should have been tougher on russia yes it could be argued we should have blank but again it's also important to remember there are various factors to consider like i listed before our current economy and resources consequences from past international in- in- interventions congressional support political pressure etc could biden have done better maybe i'm not arguing for or against him just like i'm not arguing for or against trump both presidents have erred humans err to various degrees to which i'm sure you can personally attest putin didn't radically transform into an evil power hungry player the minute biden was sworn into office russia didn't suddenly become a threat out of nowhere let's also look at past administrations Cold War ring a bell and geopolitics in Russia and Ukraine and past American actions we're wasting time energy and bandwidth by playing this immature blame game by focusing on but he started it and I know you are but what am I it never ceases to amaze me how politics and social media and much media in general can resemble playground antics enough for those of you saying Biden should have been tougher on Russia where were you when Bart Trump was particularly friendly to Russia in the past. Again, Putin's aspirations of domination have long been known. Where were you when Trump literally and openly called these latest attacks as in just barely on Ukraine genius and savvy? He openly said used those words. For those of you deflecting blame from Biden, would you do the same if Trump took exactly the same approach? Can you separate the person from the criticism? Can you prioritize prioritize objectivity? Can you identify your biases? We all have them. It's not if we have them, it's what we do about them. Hypocrisy is rampant, and I'm beyond sick of it. I am maxed out. I am so sick of it. Double standards abound. This isn't just in Congress and in the media. It's also in private conversations and social media posts. It's everywhere. What's one person's protest is another's riot. What's one person's financial savvy is another's delinquency. Government, get out of my life unless you're regulating blank to make my life better or easier. So this goes for both liberals and conservatives. Both have become extreme. Both have double standards. Both have been hypocritical. Both have focused not on what's best for the country and its people, but what's best for this specific party and its power. Party preservation is the name of the game. Truth and citizens and collective good be damned. 
we allow and encourage this by whom we support, what we click on and read, and what we share and fund. Ideologies, political parties, and politicians need our support to exist. Our views are too often shaped, swayed by incomplete and even outright false snippets and opinion pieces in the media. Since ideologies and parties and politicians require our support, then actions are based less on reality and more on what we, the supporters, think reality is. Here's a question for you, and I hope you fully and honestly reflect on it. And it might be a little uncomfortable and you might resist it, but I I invite you to sit with it and ask yourself again and again, just in case there is some initial resistance, just in case automatically you think, no, absolutely not. So if that's your automatic response, I invite you to think about it again. Here's the question. Are you more sympathetic towards certain victims, towards certain refugees? And here's where it can get really dicey and maybe make you even more uncomfortable, but this is a key question, so thank you for staying with me. Okay, here's the second question. Are you more sympathetic toward those from a certain demographic or background? Possibly those who more closely resemble you or fit a certain worldview? For example, are you more sympathetic toward Ukrainian refugees than you are Syrian refugees? Or Mexican immigrants? Thank you. Let me say thank you for caring enough to listen and think about this. It's not easy, so thank you for doing the work. And some more questions while we're on the topic. Why not? Do you believe you were chose do you believe you chose where you were born and into what circumstances? Or do you think it was just luck of the draw? Do you think you would do whatever it takes to ensure your family's safety? Your safety. So imagine living in terrifying or deplorable conditions where you fear for your life or don't have basic necessities like safe, sufficient food, water, shelter, and security. Imagine raising kids in such a situation. These innocent souls dependent upon you for survival. Imagine having no legal recourse, no authorities or official channels you can trust or use for help. What would you do? I'm honestly asking with sincere curiosity, though I realize we're not talking face to face and you can't really give me your answer unless you message me. But what if you had the options to flee for safety, for opportunity, for survival. Would you be compelled to honor invisible national borders simply because you just happen to be born outside of them? Because your children are of a certain nationality? Or would you do everything freaking possible, whether you're fleeing a dangerous dictator, a war-torn country, a corrupt regime, a tanked economy? Would you do whatever it took? Whether you're a mother in Mexico, a human in Honduras, a sister in Syria, and under attack in... Ukraine? Let's be clear, I'm not advocating for or against a certain policy, and there is need for law and for order, but I'm asking you to reflect on how and with whom you sympathize and on what you would do in parallel situations. Are you reacting differently to this Ukrainian crisis than you did to the Syrian crisis or the Afghan crisis or what's going on in other parts of the world in Haiti and elsewhere? I'm asking you to think about this. And I know, again, I know it's not comfortable. And again, I'm not advocating for or against a certain policy, but I am asking you to reflect on how and with whom you sympathize and on what you would do in parallel situations. It's tough to level with ourselves. It really is. But it's how we get better and heal the world. 
Speaking of tough stuff, let's also acknowledge how challenging it would be to be president. So much on the line, so much to consider, so many entities involved. Yes, they may volunteer for it and take it on. And yes, critiquing them is healthy and necessary for progress and accountability. But that doesn't mean we should ignore or dismiss the colossal toughness of the job and the factors and information we don't have that they do that affects our decisions. Let's also again acknowledge a very uncomfortable truth. America is not bulletproof. Declaring ourselves invincible is tricky. What we gain in national resolve and pride, we lose in self-awareness and humility. And we're still relatively young. Past great empires have fallen, empires that were bigger than ours and around for longer. So let's stay humble, let's stay aware, and let's stay respectful of our challenges and our adversaries. And it could even be argued we are our own biggest threat. Public policy can only do so much. Legislation can only do so much. Government can only do so much. They definitely have a role to play, but shouldn't have the leading role in our lives. They can't fix us or our situations, or fully, comprehensively, and hopefully we're not relying on them to. This is not an argument on big government versus small government. Government policies and laws do good and provide value, but they can't fix root causes. Laws are made by people, people with fears, insecurities, and biases. People we elect, driven by our own fears, insecurities, and biases. We constantly hear and participate in debates on the best policies or laws we need to resolve our social issues and societal issues. It's like expecting a therapist to solve your problems. They can give you invaluable structure and assistance, but can't do the inner work for you. Or it's like counting on stretching to solve your hamstring problems. Sure, it can help, but it won't cure it or resolve the core issue, and it may even worsen it if you're doing it improperly, etc. Or applying the wrong solution. You and I, we individually have choice, we have power, we have responsibility, and hopefully we also have compassion, curiosity, and care. Yes, people can work the system, but what factors drive that? Let's go deeper. What factors drive them to work the system? How can we address those? Void, addiction, trauma, wage gap, capitalism, corporate greed. How can we address those voids in ourselves and others, individually and collectively? And how are you and I personally perpetuating the faulty system, intentionally or otherwise? We are society, remember? We're creating the world we live in, how we interact with each other, what we consume and share, what we allow, whom we support how we spend our time and money, what we focus on, what we think and say. It's easy to project blame. It's harder to accept it. It's easy to cancel people for making mistakes. It's harder to show grace, to allow for complexity, to engage, to understand. What if instead of calling out, we called in to ourselves and to others, invited reflection, accounted for where someone is now rather than where they were? allowed each other room for mistakes, but while addressing those mistakes, doesn't mean we need to sweep everything under the rug. I've made mistakes, you've made mistakes. Aren't you glad when people give you grace or understanding or allow for you to evolve and to grow instead of keeping you stuck in your past mistake, especially if you're wanting to evolve and grow? What if we left room for different perspectives, nurturing common ground instead of cultivating chasms? Think of our founding fathers. 
If we canceled them for owning slaves, does that mean we should cancel the Constitution? And if we canceled them for owning slaves, then we wouldn't have gotten the Constitution. And that in no way validates or legitimizes slavery. Absolutely not. Let it be known, I am fully against slavery. But people are complicated and nuanced. And it's messy. It's all messy. So do we just disregard other good people have done because they've made really bad mistakes? Do we ignore the context of their lives and actions? This does not mean, again, we condone bad things like slavery, but context matters. Like it or not, we're often products of our environment. Hopefully we take accountability, but even so, we're still deeply influenced whether we're aware of it or not. Think of when you've held mistaken beliefs or screwed up. When we know better, we can do better. And what helps us know better is to remove those blocks to love, compassion, and growth by doing shadow work, by connecting to ourselves and others. When we mess up, we all do. Why would we cast somebody out instead of engaging with them, trying to bridge that gap? I truly believe people aren't good and aren't bad. People are people who do good and bad things. People are complex. It may be an ego boost to pounce on somebody's mistake and castigate them for it, privately or publicly. But how much good does that do? Think about when you've messed up. Does that help when somebody just flays you in public or even privately? No, at least not me. However, while, like when we're attacking somebody for, when we're calling somebody out for messing up, that might make us feel superior in the moment. It it ignores the person behind it. So let's consider the person behind it and how that person feels about what they just did. Take that into account. So when we're pointing fingers that might make us feel superior and give us a hit of dopamine, but while the dopamine fades, the division remains. While the dopamine fades, the division remains. Yes, we should be accountable for what we do and say, especially when they're harmful to others. But let's also remember perspective. Let's also account for what led to the harmful words and action. Again, let's consider the person behind it and how that person feels about what they said or did. Sure, apologies and remorse may be performative, but time will tell. Are you perfect? I'm not. Have you never said or done anything wrong or hurtful, intentionally or otherwise? I know, I have. And unintentionally, I will continue to do so. And I still have work to do, we all do, as long as we're alive. Let's not let this discourage us, but encourage us, because this, among many things, unites us, and we all know how desperately we need unity. It means we're still paying attention and we still care. Holy smokes, am I long-winded or what? Bless you for lasting this long and for hearing me out. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I love you. Thank you.